0: It doesn't seem to have any central nervous system. Then how does it move? All plants move. They don't usually pull themselves out of the ground and chase you. The day of the Triffids, when law and order are overwhelmed in an avalanche of terror.
1: Welcome to episode 17 of First Strike the Invasion podcast. I'm Siskoid. I'm Bass. And we're talking today about Swamp Thing number 81. It's true this time. It's true. Yeah, it's true. We announced it a couple of uh, episodes ago and then we, we, I mean, we took a break to talk about the uh, CW event, which was Invasion and uh, we kind of had to, so, you know. Yes, had to is the word. Uh, We'll be talking about your reactions to it in Letters from the Front at the end of the show. I can't wait for that. Uh, But for now, uh, it's the usual format. We're talking about a specific tie-in to the Invasion crossover, as we will. Every tie-in, every issue of that uh, series, everything that series touched back in 1988 from DC Comics. And then the second part of the episode, we'll talk about uh swamping, what he it means to us. <laughs> last time as we, comics readers. Last
2: time we talked about swamping it was before we actually started the, the invasion. Because he was in the uh, pro what we call prologues and, Yeah. Uh, musing you know, rumblings
1: and, and, and yeah whatever
2: it was <laughs> yeah. like like i don't know episode one or two we uh, talked episode about.
1: one it was yeah yeah it was kind of like what led us up to invasion and we saw that swamp yeah. thing was taken away from earth by the dominators in that one so that they wouldn't get any of the magical interference presumably exactly. they didn't want the earth elemental interfering with their invasion of earth so
2: now we're gonna see what's what's going on with swamp <laughs> yeah Day. that's
1: it because he's not on earth so, how can he be a player in the invasion? Exactly. I don't know. Uh, he's not. <laughs> this is going to be about his uh, supporting cast, really. So, uh, the issue is called uh, Widow's Weed by writer-penciler Rick Veitch, inker Alfredo Alcala, letterer John Costanza, colorist Tatiana Wood, assistant editor Art Young, and editor Karen Berger, of course, the mother of uh, Vertigo. The cover is by Rick Veitch. And uh, let's talk about that cover. It's, um, uh, it's a
2: creepy cover. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what it is. It looks like a, a head in a garbage bag. It's, yeah, it's a head in a bag, a transparent bag. And there's terror
1: in these eyes? It's supposed to be, as we'll find out in the story, it's supposed to be Abby Cable. Abby Cable Holland. She's married to the Swamp Thing. Oh, lucky uh, girl. But here, you can't tell if it's a woman or a man. Uh, you can just sort of see her black and white hair. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind If of. you know to, to look for it. Uh, and there are these globs of pink On the cover, which are meant to be the alien's hands. There's going to be an alien in this, and the alien's hands are those. Blobs. They're kind of weird fingers. I don't know. Some of,
2: some of them look like fingers. Some of them don't. To me, the, the cover doesn't really work. I mean, it's, it's one
1: of these vertigo cover or early vertigo covers. we're, well,
2: we're still pre vertigo. This is a beautiful rendition of plastic over face, though. Yes. Uh, yes.
1: In that sense. <laughs> That's, yes.
2: But other than that, yes. Yeah, well, it's... I
1: think there's like, there's that, which looks kind of painted. Yeah. Almost. And then the blobs are really four color yeah. comic book artwork. Yeah. It's like there's two layers to this. And, and, and one of them is, the, the,
2: yeah. And the, the color of the hands, quote unquote hands are, are very flat. And, you know, the rest of it is very rend- rendered. And yeah. That's, very...
1: A, that's, I think that's why I don't react well to it.
2: Yeah. It's not,
1: well, it's, yeah.
2: Seeing that in the rack, I don't know how I would have felt. I mean, it's almost life size face looking out at the people from the, from the, Door shelves at e. I don't know. Yeah,
1: but Swamp Thing is supposed to make you feel a little edgy. Yeah, well, it's... It... I'll have a story about that later. Uh, let's do a little synopsis. Okay. What happens in this issue. Um, I wrote a little thing here. Uh, after a vivid sex dream... That's how it starts. There's a... a vivid sex dream... Very vivid. ...about plant sex. Uh, the pregnant Abby Holland wakes in a tent with Chester Williams, a friend of the family, to the harsh reality that the home she built with the Swamp Thing has begun to rot and collapse... In his absence, they fear that it may mean the Swamp Thing is dead. While they explore the husk of the tree house, an alien intruder slaps cuffs around Abby's wrists and puts a bag over her head. Oh, there you go. There's the Th- cover. That's the bag. Elsewhere, at Terrebonne Parish uh, General Hospital, a doctor removes the bandages from the newly reconstructed face of Roy Raymond, TV detective... But this is the epilogue of a plot that doesn't interest us here. The only thing that's important is that the news crew hounding him takes off because of the invasion story. So we know where we are. Back on the alien ship, Abby's captor talks to its dominator masters. The alien is called Widow's Weed and turns out to be a freelance agent in the invasion. Contracted to capture and or kill Abby and the Earth elemental in her womb. Widow's Weed has a change of heart then because she's a mother too and we see her egg aboard the ship. She starts to ignore transmissions from the Dominators and instead heads into the swamps to find the derelict craft left behind uh, by her mate many years ago. Her mate is dead, but she gets his corpse to bring it home. Uh, Having found what she really came to Earth for, Widow's Weed lets Abby go free and flies off. Moments later, Green Lantern Guy Gardner shows up to recruit Swamp Thing for the fighting effort, but they don't know where Alec is. Guy sees Widow's Weed's ship leaving and blasts it out of the sky to Abby's horror Jerkass leaves... Uh, in epilogue, despite Chester's protests, Abby decides to continue living in the rotten house and wait for Alec. She's found their wedding bands, which have not rotted, and this gives her hope. It's a beautiful story. <laughs> it's a very unusual story. Very It's unusual. a side story to the invasion because it does not feature any of the Alliance aliens. Exactly. But shows that the Dominators are using off aliens, other yeah. aliens in this thing.
2: Yeah, some like uh, bounty hunters or something like that. It's it's very Star Warsy, you know. <laughs> yeah.
1: they're, they're getting yeah, Boba that's, Fett. It's like a bounty hunter.
2: Yeah, uh, that vivid dream, yes, yeah. that vivid sex dream is kind of weird because part of their foreplay slash sex thing is breathing on one another because he breathes out oxygen and she breathes out CO two, yeah. and and they have this exchange, this very weirdly intimate exchange with a lot of teeth, and it's kind of weird.
1: Can the you... book really liked to do that. I mean. The how originally Swamp Thing and Abbey that was always a thing and it was this weird more of a Frankenstein's monster or King Kong okay Fairy kind of kind of thing. Okay. Uh, you know, the 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 monster with a uh a heart of gold and then the, the woman is drawn to him and he's drawn to the woman because of her Yeah.
2: You know, beauty and the beast. But then it gets physical.
1: Uh, yeah. And in <laughs> the comic in these later days, they really well, later days, I mean the eighties on. They, they started really well what would this relationship be? And what would this physical relationship be? And obviously <laughs> a lot he's put moss. a seed in her yeah. because she's pregnant. So there's you A lot know, of pollen and you yeah. know, slimy stuff. And that weird sex dream is like there's quite a lot of watermelons and... Uh, yeah, a lot of fruit. Uh, pumpkins. So involved. I guess it's
2: bearing fruit. There's something about that.
1: I think it gives her a connection to the green possibly and so she's, she's having these dreams because the baby inside her has a connection to the green. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. And you know what? <laughs>
2: It's the big splatter around her mouth. That's <laughs> that, that was disturbing to you. Well, it's not disturbing. It's very for I mean, it's very graphic. You know, because it's very juicy, and nobody hates juice. Just nobody wants to see other people's juice. <laughs> see, it, when, that's part of the intimacy. And this, this is like we've been drawn into a moment that's really just theirs, right? I don't hate juice. I just I don't want to see other people's juices. Well, it's understood. Con- it's a comic book. <laughs> I mean, I get it though. But she does look, uh, and, and the artwork is kind of fun because you have these separated, uh, during the sex scene slash dream, you have this full page or full double page, which is separated into these, these long panels, all part of one thing, but it, it's nicely separated into, you know, it's, it's very dreamy type, you know, you don't really know how the time works in here. And, and it's, uh, well, I think it's a great double page.
1: Well, it works because, Ah, uh, Rick Veitch. The project I know him best from is a indie comic called Rare Bit Fiends, okay. which he uh, wrote and drew for a while, and it was basically his dream journal. And he's very interested in dream imagery and how dreams work. And you know, for a while, he was really working at it so that he'd wake up in the middle of the night, you know, wow. doodle things and his because he's a comics creator a lot of his dreams are comics driven or have comics imagery and comics other comics creators in them so the the book is actually very interesting even though it's very hard to tap into other people's dreams those images don't mean anything to anyone else so when somebody tells you their dream it's really kind of dull because <laughs> you don't connect to it Exactly. But seeing it on the page, drawn as a sort of story where a dream, Rigweich walks around uh, and has these experiences, mm-hmm. you know, it works on a visual level. It becomes interesting.
2: Yeah, it can draw you in.
1: Yeah. And in this case, obviously, it's a manufactured dream. It's part of a narrative. It's not anybody's real dream. It's, you know, habitable. cable. So he has already that interest in surrealism that he's using, you know, in these images. But then a story happens. Yeah, a story (laughs)
2: happens. It was a nice dream, then a story happens.
1: What was interesting to me was finding out, I, I, you know, I really wanted to see... um, I saw this alien, like a frog-like. Yeah, kind of weird weird gills. gills. Yeah, humanoid frog. And I was, uh, you know, just doing research, looking at the DC Wiki, and it referenced... Like, this alien creature. not Widow's weed only appears in this story. Of course, she she dies with her baby. But I found out this is actually a a sequel to an original Swamp Thing story from the 70s. Get out of here. So it's from Swamp Thing number 9, 1974... It was called *The Stalker from Beyond*, and it was by Len Wein. Uh, Bernie Wrightson did the art, of course, gorgeous art. And the alien just looks the same, and there's, and it's very much that story where it's the same story, really, because it's that male alien who okay. comes to Earth seeking something, and then there's a misunderstanding between him and Swamp Thing, where they both think. The other one's a monster kind of thing. Well, they're both right. And at the end, the alien leaves peacefully, but the army blows up his ship. Oh, wow. And he crashes to Earth, and that ship is now in the swamp. That's why his mate comes to save it or, you know, rescue the body uh, or see if the the mate is still alive or who knows. And in this story, there's also a military-minded character who destroys her ship and prevents her from leaving Earth. So, oh. like, it's a mirror, the same thing yeah. happened to both aliens.
2: Yeah, except for the, uh, well, I guess the misunderstanding is still there. I guess in the old comic book, they found a common ground and everything yeah. resolved
1: peacefully. I guess. And it just shows that Guy Gardner is no Swamp Thing.
2: And, in, well, in this thing, Guy Gardner is something else, but I guess we'll but get to that. But because they do
1: find the common ground, if we want yeah. to look at that parallel, the common ground is between Widow's Weed and uh, Abby. Yeah. They're both mothers. They're both moms. And understanding this means Widow's does not deliver the, whatever the fetal earth elemental to the dominators
2: so yeah they find something beyond language where common ground beyond language right and they both understand it and you don't have to explain everything I mean everything is explained by well I'm a mom you're a mom We're not doing this. It's
1: kind of interesting that looking to do this, you're telling Rick Veitch, who's working, is very bizarre because he's working on a mature readers comic that really, you know, I'm thinking of the kids who are collecting all of Invasion. Yeah. uh, And presumably have access to a comic book store because uh, this was not a comic that was sold on the newsstand.
2: Yeah, it would have been quite difficult yeah. to find. You
1: know. Yeah, no, yeah, impossible. I, yeah. You know, I, I, at that time, only had newsstands to work from. I was uh, all of 17 in Edmondston. So, you know, you, you had... You didn't have that in Edmondston. We didn't have a comic book store in Edmondston.
2: Still don't have a comic book store in Edmondston. No, there still know. isn't.
1: I mean, Which it's a small it? town. It's like 10,000 yeah. people. And so, oh, well, still. that's not a comic you're, you're going to want to have or try to get, you know, in that situation. But say, say you do have a comic book store in town. You're trying to collect the whole of Invasion. You can't get this. Because you're underage. Exactly. And many stores. Yeah, this is I a I don't mature know how stores thinks. figure the maturity, but I, you know, uh, when I moved to a town, you know, for college that had a comic book store, which was here. I saw, you know, the shop owner take Mature Reader's material out of the hands of teenagers and said, well, no, I'm sorry, but you'll need a parent to come and buy this for you if uh, you really want it. Wow. Very
2: responsible. I don't know
1: what the age was, but he knew his customer base. So that 15-year-old or that 16-year-old, I'm not sure, could not buy a Mature Reader's title in that store. Well, if you're a regular...
2: Buyer, and if you're collecting everything from Invasion, I mean, he probably knows you. You're not yeah, exactly, it's not your first time in the store, no. probably seen you before buying Archie. So, uh, there
1: are chapters you can't get. There are, so it's very bizarre that they would let a mature reader's title participate, just well, as far as branding goes. Yeah. Because there's more branding than
2: actual story in this from Invasion. Because this is a standalone story. I mean, you could take out everything from Invasion. and It would still work. I, you only need another reason to come to Earth. But that could be just looking for her mate. But right? I
1: do like that Veitch having that challenge. You know, how we can't really... Partic- and, and anyways, he sent Swamp Thing away. Yeah. <laughs> so Swamp Thing's not really in it. So how do we get oh, this, this? Yeah. So he looked back at the old stories, the older stories, and there was an alien invasion story. There was one. Yeah. So let's redo that one, or you know, link to that one. That one time, that one alien that really does exist in Swamp Thing's yeah. world. So that's. An, I thought that was like an interesting. Well, it's. A,
2: it was definitely probably a huge challenge in trying to keep it into continuity. Bravo, Mister Veitch. <laughs> I never would have thought that this was a the mirroring of a. You know, a 70s comic book at all. Because it doesn't feel like a 70s comic book, really. I don't know what a 70s comic book would feel like, but, uh,
1: <laughs> but, but yeah. it was the rise of horror comics. Yeah. You know, there's like the, the first rise of it, EC comics and all that. But I mean, yeah. in, in the mainstream, in mainstream superheroes type books, Yeah, it was probably 70s was like tomb of Dracula, werewolf by night uh, over at Marvel and all that. Even yeah. ghost rider, Morbius, you know, they'd had these, yeah, they had horror. Themes. Right. So late sixties, yeah. early seventies for DC was dead man was swamp thing was uh, the specter coming back there, you know, yeah. uh, all things—House of Mystery, House of Secrets—all yeah. books that you can hear about on the Fire and Water Network. Thanks to Ryan Daly and his guests uh, over at Midnight, the podcasting hours. Oh so yeah, that's I'm, I'm going to plug this and then play the promo later. But um, he's covering uh, all these, and I'm sure he'll be doing this issue in due time because uh, that that 1974 issue, because that's pretty early in Swamp Thing's career. I, well, I hope he does. <laughs> I want to <laughs> uh, listen will. to it. He will. But this is the sequel to it.
2: Okay. Now, well, it's it's been a long time for the sequel there.
1: It was uh, fourteen years, fourteen in years for sequel. Hmm. So this is like the train spotting of uh, of comic books. <laughs> it's train spotting like I, fourteen. I think it's more than fourteen. She's been a while, hasn't she? Yeah. What about Guy Gardner in this? I mean, oh. that's, that's if we were to do this without invasion, we would not have Guy Gardner in it. And again, if you're a Guy Gardner fan, this uh, is of very... a certain age, you could not have bought this comic, and perhaps you wouldn't have wanted to because Guy is Guy's always been a jerk, but this is a bit much. He's a bit murdery.
2: Uh, well, yeah. He feels like, you know what? It kind of feels like he's, he's not supposed to be there just cause he's weirdly huge and I don't get that. Yeah. No, just, he's just, he's just hugely drawn. He's Abby like, and
1: Chester are up to his
2: waist. Yeah. And they're, they're probably smaller than that cause he's in the background and he's bigger than them who are in the foreground.
1: Yeah. It and would seem to work if he were like he could be flying. But it doesn't work as far as perspectives go. No, it so doesn't. So it's work. like there was something else there, and then he, uh, you know, Rick was told you've got to draw a just sleep member on there. Yeah. And, and, and even then, how about, could have been, you know, I don't know, Martian Manager might have been a better choice. I, Martian Manager wouldn't have destroyed the ship. That's right. I mean, then
2: you got to find somebody who would destroy the ship with one blast. And who would do that without even knowing what's in the ship? But I can't even imagine who would have been there in the original idea. If uh, It know- has to be a villain. It has to be, and they could have put a, because there are some villains, I guess, in the invasion. Uh, I guess. There should be some villain. I mean, that would have been a great time to bring in some kind of villain.
0: Yeah.
2: A Lex Luthor type villain with a huge suit or something, or, you yeah. know, I don't know who it could have been, but even for Guy, I mean, he just no, blasted it. I mean, he it's just... strange. He just blasts it out of the sky with no real knowledge of what's in there, how many people are in there. He just explodes it. He just he just destroys it.
1: And it makes sense for him so much, but I mean, it's it's a big downer of an, of an ending, yeah, Because of Widow's Weeds' empathy towards Abby, that we have empathy for her. And, well, yeah. And he's he hasn't just destroyed an alien mercenary. No, he killed a mom <laughs> and her egg, Martha. Martha! <laughs> and then he just leaves, you know, very...
2: Smugly, with a little smile. Doesn't even... Abby
1: does try to throw poop at him.
2: I don't think... think On oh, that last mud. page. I think it's mud. I want to say poop. But he shields himself and then runs away. But so it's... It's an odd scene. It's a very odd scene. And it's you
1: know, guy's a jerk, but I don't think he would have done this. He and what feels... the heck is he doing there anyways? I don't know because man. I just... following this timeline, is this actually before the Justice League international
2: issue? No, it should be probably at the same time because and they're in the Pacific, where's this where's this located? Where's the swamp? Louisiana. This is a long ways. It's a long ways. Yeah,
1: but for Green Lantern, you know, it, the distances but still. But still he's Because he's come to recruit like on behalf of Captain Adam, yeah, kind of thing. So that happens. Captain Adam is recruiting just before invasion number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And Justice League International takes place between invasion number one and invasion invasion, yeah. invasion number two. Yeah. So this is between the JLI slash Wonder Woman yeah. issues and invasion number two. I don't Why know. would you send Guy Gardner? To recruit anyone. And as we'll see next episode, we'll be looking at Captain Adam and yeah. how maybe he starts recruiting people. And we see Captain Adam rec- trying to recruit Superman in the Superman issues. We've seen that already. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there are other recruiters going around.
2: Not really. And
1: why? And would you tell Guy Gardner to do it? I guess Maxwell Lord's a bit on top of this. So yeah. Max would send people. He could be. He could be. So say, you know, Max would say, okay, Guy, go get swamp. What's the connection? Why? Why well, send Guy Gardner to, to find that Swamp Monster? And so it's it's all a bit It's kind of weird. It's, it's I think it was forced into the crossover. They, maybe they were
2: thinking. Maybe I'm just I'm, I'm spitballing here, but maybe they were thinking Green Lantern, the Green. Maybe it's connected yeah. somehow, but it's not. It doesn't really, feel any better than that. It's not. I mean, it and it's not a mystical type. Green Lantern. It's like I mean, it's not Alan Scott Green Lantern, right. which is which is kind of a mystical, magical. I it,
1: it, I can't see really the connection. So I like this story, but I hate the ending. But the ending is it's you know, it's it, clanky. It would have been normally. It should have been just the army coming in and blowing yeah. up that ship, and you get the same effect and a better mirror to the original story. Yeah, it even
2: feels even feels like Guy is actually enjoying blowing this thing out of the sky and uses the invasion as maybe an excuse to do it because he couldn't do it if it wasn't an invasion then it would be murder but now he's like a soldier and you know in wartime soldiers they don't commit murder they you know they they fight for a just cause so it kind of feels like that but he has this weird smile at the end that makes it not okay i i it's kind of weird i just i I just didn't
1: because even that because at that point he's being informed by abby and chester that Exactly. Uh, he's killed a friendly alien, but he, you know, he doesn't care. He doesn't so. care. And so. and I'm I'm
2: reading right. right now. I've been reading a lot of GLI, right? Because uh, you know, because of you. And I uh, <laughs> am in, in there, and I can't. I don't. I won't apologize for that. No, please do not. But I mean, guy's a jerk, but he's not a murderer. You know. And you kind of enjoy a guy when he's taking on Lobo in these, you know, in yeah. these comic books, and he's, you know, going toe to toe with another badass, and you, you kind of enjoy him. But this is not enjoyable. Uh, no
1: it just doesn't feel like it should have been him no really even art wise it's weaker so eh, i think as an invasion piece it's weak as a an alien versus something supporting cast story it it looks good it's you know it's it harks back to to other comics absolutely yeah any final thoughts
2: uh actually you know what maybe just maybe uh Rick Veitch knew that this comic book wouldn't be probably wouldn't be in the the whole collection for everybody and maybe that's why it's kind of a side story type yeah, sure. thing and you know and a lot of people probably wouldn't notice even Guy Gardner in there and you know they probably just shoved it under the the mat or something you yeah. know they just shrugged it off but eh, we're reading it <laughs> and reviewing it but it's of, course, it's, of course, 20 years later. And um,
1: anything we scrutinize for a show is obviously yeah. going to fall apart much more easily than if you're just reading it of as course. part of your weekly haul. Of course. We understand this. Uh, we'll take a small break. Small break. Play you that uh, that promo from Midnight that we are talking about. And then when we come back, we'll talk about Swamp Thing's the- entire comic book <laughs> career. The Thing. Uh, or really his connection to us as readers. Stick around.
0: Hello listeners, it's your friend PJ Frightful, that's PJ as in Podcast Jockey, and I'm dropping dreadful new episodes every two weeks. When the clock strikes midnight, the podcasting hour shines a candle on the dark corners of DC Comics, those supernatural sagas of Swamp Thing, Dead Man, The Spectre, and more. The Podcasting Hour. It's a rotating anthology series boasting the terrifying talents of Ryan Daly, Rob Kelly, Paul Hicks, Ben Avery, Doug Zavisha, and other unfortunate souls. Prepare for the unexpected, open a doorway to nightmare, and enter the houses of mystery and secrets. The moon is full, and the dark spirits are rising, for it's midnight, the podcasting hour. Coming this Halloween, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Beware. It is who I am. It is what I am. I was once a man. I know the evil men do. Do not bring your evil here. I warn you. Beware the wrath
2: of Swamp Thing.
1: We're back. We're talking about Swamp Thing. Yeah. What is your connection to Swamp Thing? I really have none. Just these, the two issues we read? Be, well, yeah, basically. I, I know. The movies? N- the TV show? I haven't
2: seen any. TV show? <laughs> there, there's there's a, t- a TV show? There was a TV show based on the movies. The only thing I know is that Swamp Thing is the one with the messed up nose and Man Thing is the one that looks like a weird, there's a weird trunk type thing on them. Yeah. Um, they both have a thing in there and they're not made of rocks.
1: Um, yeah. they it's, live it's in that swamp. that fun, it's that fun thing where the, the creators of Swamp Thing and Man-Thing used to be roommates and then...
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody I,
1: left an, yeah. I heard something about that. Yeah, they're just like scribbling notes and or left notes. or They, they don't know who... Invented. Who invented what. Yeah. Uh, the idea, you know. And, and you know Because that's they great. came out like a month from one another. Yeah. So uh, that's funny. And but that's they're great. very different. Yeah. Uh, they're both horror characters, but they're very, very different where Swamp Thing has a, a mind... And thoughtfulness, and it's existential. Yeah. While Man Thing is mindless, it's the same same idea. Scientist, you mm-hmm. know, dosed with chemicals, falls into a swamp and becomes a monster. But uh, Man Thing is a force of nature. He walks around mm-hmm. and he sees other stories, basically. So the horror stories happening around Man Thing, and then Man Thing usually is just a witness, and then an agent. He's drawn to evil. Okay. And then uh, he burns the person, the, the evil person. So the evil person gets their comeuppance. Okay, that's usually how a man thing story yeah. works.
2: It's a, it's very close to a uh, ghostwriter type intervention.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's very the Marvel. It's a Marvel yeah. idea, but and it's also a way to make the host of a story, like the witness of the story kind of a Cain or abel in house of mystery witnessing the story but then taking part in it being yeah, a character yeah. in it as well, well it's, it's an, usually just skulking yeah. from the shadows and spooking people
2: yeah it's an interesting narrative i mean and it, and it okay. draws you in it but it's not enclosed. much of a character yeah
1: but, you know, but it's not character driven where he's yeah. so he's always assembled a certain there's always been a cast around him of characters that you're sort of following but with swamp thing he is the main character yeah uh, despite having a strong supporting cast. And, I mean,
2: I know that Swamp Thing is uh, incredibly powerful. He's he's an elemental, so basically a force of nature. Um,
1: Although that only comes out later. Earlier, he yeah. was just a swamp monster. A man turned into a yeah. swamp monster. And then uh, uh, there was like a series in the 70s, and then that collapsed because a lot of the comics collapsed at that time. And then he came back in the 80s as Saga of the Swamp Thing. It's really, and I I remember buying an issue. I still have it. I mean, I, you know, I bought an issue like number seven or eight or something. Uh-huh. And it's Swamp Thing versus a crystal mon- a guy. So it's it was Swamp Thing versus other monsters. So muck versus crystals. Right, like like that original story we talked about was um, muck versus gooey alien. Yeah. yeah. So it was muck a lot. from muck from yeah. <laughs> versus muck. It was from a, a lot of monster versus monster, and which, then, uh, which is fine. And then uh, Alan Moore took it over.
2: Ah, so it's written by monster. Uh, <laughs> written by
1: monster turns into something else.
2: Sorry, I'm just kidding. Yeah, They're but, Alan Moore fans.
1: No, this one of the best stories Alan Moore ever wrote. Really, is the Anatomy Lesson, which was that first Swamp Thing issue where he changed everything. Okay. So instead of being a man who was turned into a monster or a plant, we find out he's really a plant who believes he's a, a man. So Again. it's like the, when he dissolved into the swamp, like swamp thing isn't plant around his skeleton. He wasn't turned into a plant, but his consciousness seeped into the swamp and was okay. used as a sort of elemental force like the elemental forces turned okay. his consciousness you know to animate its golem okay being, so right? so
2: basically it's nature being inspired by the human form to create a human form
1: type nature thing and giving it the consciousness or copy of the consciousness of the man who just died okay so Swamp Thing re- become remembered I, uh, he learns this okay you know, he finds out that all this time he's not Alec Holland He's, he's been a swamp creature. He's been he's been a plant. And he's only believed okay. he was Alec Holland. He had Alex Holland's memories, so he believed himself to be Alec Holland. But he wasn't. So there's like a big existential crisis. Uh, and then, oh, wow. Was, this
2: sounds a lot like Chucky e, the Murderous Doll.
1: <laughs> it's kind of that. You it's think still- Chucky e was uh, maybe uh, inspired by uh, Swamp Thing?
2: I don't know, but his consciousness fell into a doll and
1: then he wasn't the killer from before he became actually Chucky but was he still the mind of that killer or is has, has he always been the doll who remembers himself to be the killer but isn't and the killer I, is dead
2: I think it's I think it's the energy and the, the doll that wants to be the killer like, I don't know what it is so it's but, like
1: this I'm fucking infamous you know, so basically Alec Holland is dead, and his soul is in the afterlife. So yeah. how can he also be here? He's he isn't. It's it's a plant with those memories. It changes the whole dynamic. Well, and then of, of course, course, Alan Moore goes pushes it to the mature readers side of things. And I remember buying that that Crystal Monster issue in the early '80s. And then my kid brother, you know Dan. I know Dan. Yeah, hi Dan. My kid brother at the time was uh, six. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, he enjoyed that comic. Okay. You know, he, he looked, he, I had few comics at the time. and I don't think I have that very, that many. So he would like flip through them, and he, he really liked that concept. The, you know, the Swamp Monster. He liked monsters. Oh, well, who doesn't? And uh, so he said, uh, "So I said, well, is there a comic you you'd like me to buy?" And what then what a
2: great big brother you were.
1: Well, you know, it was for me, but is there something you would like to, <laughs> yeah. to read? Yeah, I could also I could buy it and you can read it. So when he, he said Swamp Thing. He said Swamp Thing. I bought a another issue of Swamp Thing, issue 32 I want to say. Anyways, it's the one with the um it's the necrophilia incest issue. Oh, well, that's wonderful. That's great. I, there's also visuality in there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so everything a young man needs. It's It was – I think it's still not Mature Readers. I guess it was on, it was on the newsstand. <laughs> well, it, it's going to be Mature Readers. I bought it at – you know, at, at, wow. uh, I bought it at a pharmacy. It was the issue where we find out that Abby – know Abby is the niece of Anton Arcane, who's like the big villain of he's okay. like a, Frank, a Dr. Frankenstein of the Swamp Thing universe. Okay. He creates monsters uh, and he eventually dies and becomes a demon who looks like a he's got several forms. He's got monstrous forms okay. He's a demon. He's still around. And um is she still her his niece? Yeah. And so Swamp Thing is is having a relationship with the niece of his greatest enemy. So she's really Abby Arcane. We'll call her Abby Cable because she married a guy called Matt Cable. So Matt would have ver- various permutations and eventually become like... Uh, you know the raven on the Sandman's shoulder? Yeah. That's actually Matt Cable. Okay. Wow. He dies and reborn as a crow anyway. Oh, that's weird. Uh, vertigo. <laughs> but Okay, so this is what happens. Matt Cable... Is actually her husband, even though she's having that affair or, you know, that strange romance with Swamp Thing. But she's trying to make it work. And Matt, but Matt is dead and she doesn't know. And what is actually happening is that the Matt Cable body is being animated. And this is like a mirror of Swamp Thing, if you will. But is being animated by Anton Arcane, his evil soul or whatever, from Beyond the Grave. And to move the body, he's using maggots and other insects that are inside oh, his God. body. And there's like a glamour where she can't see it. But sometimes there's like a weird flash and where it's like, oh, this, this panel super creepy. What's happening? And then it goes back to normal. So we know that like reality is, is breaking up. <laughs> and the very end is basically we find out, she finds out, we all find out that this is the case. That she's been essentially married and sleeping with her uncle who is possessing... The body of her dead dead husband husband with insects. Oh, my God. This is horrible. And then she's like, she's scrubbing herself with uh, iron wool and steel wool. and Yeah, no, it's... it's... This is therapy in a book. So, when I I bought this and I read this and it freaked me out at, you know, whatever age I was. And there was no way I was going to show my kid brother this. Of course not. And then I never touched Swamp Thing again for (laughs) years. (laughs) It made me afraid. <laughs> I mean, it was so strange and creepy. And there was the only times you saw Swamp Thing at all in the issue. Pretty brilliant, actually. But you saw there was like pages or panels where Swamp Thing saw movement from afar. And he's moving towards it. You know, Whenever you, you, you're back with Swamp Thing, we're just like seconds later where he's seeing a bird in distress, like a wounded bird. Okay. And he approaches it. And that's basically the moment of revelation with Matt Cable and all that. He discovers the bird isn't wounded. It's, it's dead. And it's moving because of maggots and because it's rotting. Yeah. So the movement is from inside. And then you're supposed to make the, the connection. Yeah. Oh, well, shit. That's also what's happening with oh, Matt. Dear God.
2: This is horrible.
1: So it was very far from the monster versus monster thing. Yeah. This and is... I'm picking it up, you know, it's like, uh, like a year into Alan Moore's run. And so, you know, there's no context for this. It's just like a this creepy horror story and one of the most effective i've ever read. It, well,
2: yeah, to this day you seem yeah. you, you still have so I've read vivid memories. Yeah,
1: i've read Alan Moore since then. I've read those issues through Vertigo had a, uh, an essential vertigo okay. series where they reprinted it in black and white. Uh, so like the art came out you know, like the Steve Bissett John Tolbin art really came out nicely because they didn't have like the splotchy yeah colors of the, you know the printing process of the 80s. Uh, and I've read them in trade paperback as well in color. So, you know, okay. I, I've read those issues. You know, I didn't buy them at the time. I also didn't buy the Rick ta- uh work at the time. Okay. Uh, because uh, I had a friend who was reading it, so I... You know, he lent me copies. And this is where Swamp Thing goes after this, where, you know, he's sent to another planet, and then he tries to return through the green yeah. and find his way back to Earth. But then there's like a tra- time travel element, and you see Swamp Thing in different time periods visiting Earth and trying to come back to both our time and our world. And this will kill off the Rick Veitch's work on, on Swamp Thing because it ends quite famously or infamously with a story he wrote, but was never published, even drawn probably, uh, where um, Swamp Thing meets Jesus. Oh, wow. So that was, you know, I guess Karen Berger, the editor said, fine, and she was building the Vertigo imprint, even though it wasn't called that yet. You know, she was managing the the British invasion, as we call it, yeah. all these, the Grant Morrison's and the Alan Moore's and the, uh, the Pete Milligan's and all these crazy british writers from 2018 and all that so she she greenlit the thing i guess but higher up it was like
2: no we're not doing we this. are
1: not they should totally do that right now though it probably would be greenlit now. I don't don't even know how... You know, does that script still exist? Yeah, I think that script could... Well, you say now. I don't know. Maybe... maybe, Yeah, we don't know. There's a polarizing thing about uh, using Christianity in particular, but even DC's pulled stories about uh, Muslim characters uh, in the recent past. So there's always a sort of... You know, the suits like to... Uh, just impose their will and say no no well this won't play under the bible belt or this won't play here or
2: there this this is what suits do i mean that's the the main reason for suits they well suits are there to have yeah they're they're there to have creative blockers any suits that says otherwise probably doesn't understand what a suit is (laughs) and probably if if I am saying the truth and we had suits, he'd probably say, hey, you can't say that.
1: Yeah. I we, We've had to... Um, I've worked you're it. listening to an edited podcast where Bass couldn't say what he wanted to say. Exactly. Actually, but Bass Bas is pretty cool, but um, on Lonely Hearts, I know Fern is, uh, you know what? has we been should, suited. We should actually have a
2: Swamp Thing. Uh, There's lovers a romance. Of, There's a real yeah. romance there. so And it's horror,
1: so Marty would love it. And, yeah, uh, yeah so. for sure. So anyways, you know, I didn't read any of those issues at either at the time or didn't buy any of them. Okay. Uh, and that story never came out at all. And Rig Veitch would quit the book over it and I think DC Comics entire and Wow. Um, there's a lot of these uh, a lot that was a, of, you know, was Alan a fight. Moore did the same. So the yeah. uh, those guys they had like strong visions and when I guess American aesthetics came into play and you know, people would say, Well, no, you can't do that. I could do that in my own country, it wouldn't be a problem. In the UK, that would be fine. So there is like a misunderstanding there, I think, yeah. and a lot of these.
2: Well, that suit fighters left. There. That's how you start a fight with it with the suit, saying, "Well, I could do that somewhere else," well, and they say, "Well, go there, go then. there then," and that's how it suits.
1: <sighs> so way. that's that's how you left. Yeah. So I came into Swamp Thing really when it turned vertigo. Okay. because I was buying every vertical book, good or bad. It was a new thing, It was a mature reader thing. And exactly. I was right at that age where, yeah. you know, that's, I was like college age and that's the stuff I wanted to what, yeah. really read It your was blowing inside, my
2: mind. Your insides were dark anyways, yeah. so yeah, yeah, I get it.
1: And uh so those like the Nancy Collins years which was really family oriented, my family oriented. <laughs> Not all ages you understand, but yes. um, it was about Swamping and Abby and the the baby and the nanny and yeah. Nancy Collins is like a, a a fiction author of fiction horror writer novels okay but and I didn't know her but it was fine. I was a continuing saga but I didn't really like it. I sorry I, I kept with it but you know it's not something I remember much. Okay. Uh, and then came the um, the Mark Miller run. Okay, which was really kind of ghost written by Grant Morrison, in my opinion.
2: Ah, those years.
1: Yeah, Grant Morrison. The,
2: these guys were tight, and yeah,
1: they, they, like the yeah. They, but were both credited on the first four issues, and then Mark Miller took us to the end. Yeah, and it's possible it's all Mark Miller. It's possible, but it's also possible there's a lot of Grant Morrison either influence or outright rewriting, or because they had that kind of relationship at the time. Yeah, which when they split up, it was like you know it became war because. One guy felt like he, the hand that fed Mark Miller got bit, kind of thing. Well, that's, you know, that's so their thing. We'll never really know, but I yeah. really love that. As much as I hate Mark Miller's work today, if I'm much <laughs> too cynical, uh, that, that work during that time, uh, I really loved. And that swamping story that made him a full elemental. And a full... He became Earth's elemental. Yeah. Every facet. You know, he, like, conquered rocks and water and air. And he became, like, the planet's elemental. So,
2: basically, he became the guardian or the, the embodiment of... Captain Planet nature yeah.
1: he was captain he was cool captain planet did he have a mullet blue mullet he had green he, green mullet it had to be green yeah right exactly yeah. but at the t- you know he had like pieces of rock in him and all that and yeah and then he went on to and it ends like that it ends with him well it's pretty much the culmination of what yeah. swamp thing
2: can be right so then
1: he's gone for years and there's like a mini series here and there and then, uh and what they did with him they, you know they brought him back Close to the New Fifty Two, and then in the New Fifty Two, he he did, was back. Did you read a bit of it of uh, Swamp Thing in the New Fifty Two? Most of it, yeah, if not all of it,
2: because it was one of the better books, I do believe. A yeah, lot of people did like uh, it.
1: Yeah, I liked it, and I liked it became too much. Like it was like the him and Animal Man were doing the same thing and having the same storyline.
2: Yeah, and they basically merged. And it makes, Cause cause I mean, yeah, because I was reading, yeah, I was a reading. While, a, yeah, I was yeah I was reading uh, the animal Man. I didn't read really the swamp thing because I didn't really know and and it was you know the red and the green versus the gray, which was the rot
1: the rot yeah. it was good
2: yeah, and you had great yeah. art. On yeah. both books. There was a lot of that, and, and it was mirrored on Earth, too, with the other superheroes where...
1: They also had a gray...
2: Yeah, because the Green Lantern, Alan Scott from the New 52, was uh, fed by or created by the green. Right. And that was the mystical aspect of Alan Scott. It wasn't like a meteor or whatever it was uh, in the... Solomon
1: Grundy's, like, gray. Or...
2: And, you know, yeah, Solomon Grundy was the rot or the gray. And it kind of all... F- fit but uh, in the new 52 I think it was just a bit too much.
1: There's a strange thing when you're trying to recreate something because originally, so okay, somebody thinks up of the green, and the parliament of trees, and all that. And much later, somebody says, "Oh, let's tie animal man's powers to something similar, the red." Okay, so the red and it's like it's... animal consciousness, or yeah. And then later on, oh well, let's if there's a parliament of meat or <laughs> whatever it is, <laughs> and there is a parliament of trees, uh, why can there be uh, you know a parliament of rocks and a parliament of stuff? or whatever, you know, water droplets. or I don't remember exactly, but they did that. And it's like, oh, it's cool. Now, when you're trying to recreate that universe and all of that history has already gone by, the first time it was like, oh, cool reveal. Now you're trying to put all that together in like a scheme that works. But it was never really cohesive. It was just like somebody working off the work of someone else. When you're trying to recreate it as a piece of something that, you know, consistent, is it? And then you still got different people working on it, but at the same time. So is the rot the gray? Is, it, is that the same thing? Because it, it's got yeah. a different name. Uh, and it became distracting in Earth 2 because you've got Alan Scott's going to be the green. Okay, who's the red?
2: Who's, the, who's red? the animal
1: man of the bunch? Exactly. And there wasn't one. It's just you're creating expectations. Yeah.
2: Anyway. It, was, it was weird. It was really weird. And I mean, and the gray was like death. But Rod is not death.
1: No. The, Rod and, is, and
2: is a transformation. And I think it's in
1: the Rick Veitch, earlier Rick Veitch yeah. issues that... There was the gray in swamp thing. Not the rot, but the gray. The gray. And the gray was fungus. Okay. I can see that. So. Uh, Cause rot is basically fungus. Right, right. Exactly. So it's a form of life, yeah. but also a non-life. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's a, and it's a it's transformation. Not, it's not a plant. It's not a vegetable and it's not an animal. It's no. like this other thing. So that made sense and was, you know, an interesting concept. But then when you're bringing back the gray or bring back the rot and it's like, you know, why are you calling this like two different things? Yes did the same thing,
2: so eh. it, it was weird, it was clanky. I didn't like it really. I, I thought it was interesting, like, like you said, the, the reveal was like, Oh, all right, this is a new thing, and this is, and it didn't really
1: pan out, and it all ended,
2: yeah. which is not a bad thing.
1: But I think Swamp Thing remains a strong character, yeah. I think he's like the, that long history still has that core concept, even though he's transformed, he's been changed. From a man turned into monster, to plant remembering itself as a man, to elemental, we're getting really epic with it,
2: Yeah,
1: uh, and then back to monster, and then back to, and then, you know, and having a, di- really a sort of dynasty kind of thing with, like, elementals before him, and then meeting yeah. former Swamp Thing's. That's all very interesting to me, like that that bubble world well, it is it is and it's uh it's it's a nice way to give
2: nature a voice and a, a perspective
1: and like you said, I think it was one of the better new fifty two series I think it was. For being a bit on the side as well, Um, you know, and still working with that relationship with Abby, Arcane's still a strong villain. So, you know, Swamp Thing stories remain mm-hmm. interesting, and I think not very dated. When I reread the seventy-four issue for this, it felt like a nineteen-eighties issue, for that matter. I mean, it felt of a piece with the rest. It was the Len Wein Swamp Thing, but it still felt art and story still felt of a piece with the rest of the Swamp Thing. And it's like this: this is a series that, even though it's got Different permutations and different writers to it. They all brought something interesting and you always felt, you know, it's surprising the longevity of basically a marshman. You know, it's like, yeah, this is weird. What, why is this? And he's, he's had movies. I mean, it's, and it's bizarre, is- but this character has had movies at a time when they really probably couldn't really. You know what? You know, achieve it visually.
2: They probably could. Imagine it today. They could probably achieve it today. Well, and they can. There's
1: like, there, isn't there like a plant monster movie coming out soon?
2: I don't know, but they're, <laughs> if they ever do a, uh, a swamp thing movie, it's probably going to be horrible. This I've never, just, have you ever seen the man thing, uh, I movie? I haven't, I haven't. Uh, neither have I. It was, it was it's too a B much, movie. It's too much of a B movie. I'm not really a B movie type guy. I can see, I can watch, you know what? I can watch B movies like I can, I can watch professional sports. I wouldn't do it by myself because I don't. I don't enjoy it, but I would enjoy it with people who enjoy it. So if I ever watch B movies or anything with uh, Vin Diesel in it, it <laughs> has to be with somebody who really enjoys it. So that way, I can kind of get into it and kind of figure it out. Well, a lot and of this is fun like with l-
1: it. laughing together and making comments. Well, of course,
2: and yeah. and, and and knowing what's going on because B movie people they they love their B movies. And they understand it, and I just don't get it. I'm like the girlfriend who can't understand a first down in football. So you have to explain it a little bit, and, you know, I get it, and then I can enjoy it. But I would never do it by myself. I wouldn't even try it. <laughs> well, I've never seen
1: it. The, so. uh, but, yeah, and I've hardly seen the Swamp Thing movies. I mean, it's I have, like, a very dim memory of these things. Well, I can see this being a real nice
2: horror movie, you know, on screen. Yeah, but. I think they should do, like... um but they're like pro- combine
1: the origin with an anatomy lesson.
2: Yeah, you know, do that story. But it'll probably be just a bunch of moments and slow motions and gore. It
1: doesn't have to be that, and it doesn't have to that That's what it's going to be. They give it to no. I, yeah, I don't trust the WB, but I mean, you if know why? They give it to. One of these up-and-coming horror directors. Oh, you know that, what? Um, I could, mean, there are some people... They could probably go get
2: really the best it. one. The director's not the problem. The suits are the problem. It's always about the suits. Suits are going to say, eh, 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 Why isn't there a spider in there? You know, you have to deal with suits that, you know, want to make money. And, and they don't get that if you do it right, you're going to get the money.
1: Well, uh, we obviously have a problem with... Uh, suits. Live action stuff. So... <laughs> And and I usually like it, you know. I you know I get
2: it, but anyways.
1: Well, we'll talk more about this because in letters from the front, which is coming up next, these are will be your reactions to our comments about the uh, the four way TV yeah. crossover based on invasion that came out a few weeks ago. Stay there, and um, we'll address your problems with my comments. <laughs> Basically, what this will be in a couple moments. Letters from the front.
2: Hundred and twenty-nine different characters spanning the galaxies of the Legion of Superheroes presented across seven comic book issues. A new miniseries as part of the Who's Who podcast. And to handle this many characters, the Irredeemable shag is bringing in a ringer, or maybe we should call them flight ringers. Who's Who in the
1: Legion of Who's Who, in the, of who's who? in the Legion
2: of Who's Who in the who's of who's Superheroes. superheroes. The Legion of Superheroes. Who in the Legion of Superheroes. In the Legion of superheroes. The Legion of Superbloggers team up to present Who's Who in the Legion of Superheroes, a three episode miniseries
1: in 2017, part of the Who's Who podcast on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Long live the Legion! Letters from, from the, the front. front! We're talking about episode 16's comments about that episode. Which was the CW? The Invasion Crossover. The Invasion CW. Crossover between Supergirl, Flash, yes. Arrow,
2: and Legends of Tomorrow. What, what we probably would have called an invasion. An invasion. An invasion, not invasion. Exclamation point. Uh,
1: well, uh, but, many know. people took us to, well, not took me to task for. Yeah, because I
2: kind of liked it because I liked, liked? it. I, 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 like to be. Let's not underplay your liking it. No, I, I liked what they could do with what they had. Uh, but it wasn't invasion. It just wasn't. Right. It was an invasion. And I still hate naked aliens. Because I do not buy naked aliens.
1: And I, I, for, for, for laughs, I over disliked it.
2: Oh, you were great in this.
1: Movie. Uh, well, not everyone thought so, so. Well, everybody should like it. Go listen to it I again. I broke the internet. Um uh, maybe just the network. I broke the network uh on this <laughs> much fun. more than I did when I tried to be very <laughs> complimentary towards uh Batman vs. Superman mm-hmm. when we did Fire and Water All Stars. I tried to find the good in it. And but the other guys Well, they didn't hear the conversation we had about Batman versus Superman. I really detested Yeah, Batman you hated v. Superman, that with a passion. But I did like some elements of it, and yeah. that's what I tried to bring out in that podcast, which still Was pretty polarizing. It went against the Fire and Water Network's motto, which is find your joy. But if it's not (laughs) joyful, don't talk about it. If you don't have anything nice to say, (laughs) uh, shut the fuck up. So, (laughs) so this was the case where, uh, I perhaps went a bit negative. I don't apologize for it because I do think there's like, there are weaknesses uh, in that, Uh, but I did not hate it. No, no, no. We get it. We get it. I like these shows. So suck it. But.
2: (laughs) So here are the people I'm telling to. No. And, right. and this show as a whole, you know, we kind of, you know, I think you kind of fed off the, the, the fact that I kind of was playing the good cop and you were playing the bad yeah. cop. And we could go back and forth on this, and you know I could be the bad cop, but I think Mike is uh, a better oh, bad cop. You're, you're a very good bad cop.
1: Okay, but so anyways, you've got that eye. Let's let's just preface. Uh, so here are your actual comments uh, on Facebook. Uh, Russell Burlingham said, "We forgot Wild Dog was in when we were like counting down which characters were actually in the yes. comic book invasion that were also on the show. Wild Dog was on." The comic book invasion was he? We haven't seen him yet. Anyway. I haven't.
2: I haven't seen him yet. He's
1: probably in a crowd scene.
2: Honestly, Wild Dog. I've read Wild Dog. This is one of the things you uh, introduced me. I was introduced to that uh, in late nineties. Wild Dog. You had Wild Dog. I knew about Wild Dog. You 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 had some Wild Dog. No, I, I don't. Know. I I read some Wild Dog. I read a four issue miniseries about Wild Dog. Oh yeah, but
1: that's the four issue miniseries. I don't have it. Don't, you don't have it? I don't have Well, that. somebody
2: had it because I read it. So, I remember Wild Dog. I remember laughing about Wild Dog because he was basically a parody of all these...
1: uh Vigilante. Yeah. And, and he was... And, grim, grim Dark. Yeah. yeah, and But I he's mean, also a very... Yeah. Any one of us could become Wild Dog. Exactly. Just, like, take... You know, our hockey equipment. And exactly. And he was like, I don't, I don't actually have <laughs> hockey no, equipment. It's, it's
2: Canada. You can find hockey I could equipment find hockey within equipment. the one kilometer right, range. Casey
1: Jones and the exactly. turtles.
2: And I think we were talking about K- Casey, I don't know. I
1: can't remember if it's
2: you, but I remember reading the four part miniseries. And you know what? I don't think anybody cared about Mad Dog bad back then. I think Mad Dog on the CW is much more important and uh, better developed than the mad dog from the four part miniseries. But you know. I've
1: read like three comics with mad dog in them and apparently one of those was in was invasion and I don't remember him from it. But he was alive and yeah. uh, active yeah. during this time. So okay, he's another one. Uh, Chris Franklin, let's look on the blog. And you can leave comments and join the conversation at fireandwaterpodcast.com what <laughs> well, you're
2: probably going to get beat up on this
1: uh, Chris Franklin says the pro well he no Chris is you know one of our partners, so he's rather more complimentary. He says the pro and con back and forth on this was quite a bit of fun that's what it was meant to be i'm somewhere in the middle, I think the magnitude of this crossover highlighted some of the weaknesses of these shows. I think in general, the showrunners seem to be stretched too thin these days. Flash this season has been far weaker than either season before it, in my opinion, with the same melodrama dug up over and over after Flashpoint. And uh, he also says, overall, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't these shows at their best by any means. Hopefully, the next one they try to pull off will benefit from this trial run. Well, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, of course. And obviously, I mean, it's very hard to do this,
2: even in comics. It's never been done in TV. I mean, can you remember any show be
1: doing a four... But not four. Buffy and Angel used to do like a little back and forth yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, star Trek. Um, did Star Trek ever do it? Well, they had two shows. Yeah, there was like. Well, there was no, no. It really, is like guest. Star- they never crossed over to no, the same storyline. There's, there's
2: never a same storyline thing. I mean, you had. I mean, of course, Bones was on like the Next Gen as an old man. Yeah,
1: cameos, but but it's uh, no, yeah. it's not a. But even Deep Space Nine and Next Gen, when they touched, it was just like yeah. it, there wasn't a real. Yeah, there uh, there was a crossover. No. So I mean, this is unprecedented. Is yeah. that a good word? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Maybe it's
2: unprecedented. I, I'm un- not sure anymore. Unprecedented. It's and unprecedented. It's never been done before. So it, I mean, <laughs> that's that's incredible. So that's not yeah, the yeah. issue, though.
1: Yeah, and, and even in comics. I mean, yeah. we're we hitting, like, weaker issues, issues that don't fit very well in Invasion. Yeah. Like like the Swamp Thing issue this yeah. time. was basically what Arrow did, because Arrow was very tangential exactly. to the story, yeah. that episode. So It was
2: a great episode, though.
1: Sure, and just like the Swamp Thing it was like, exactly. like a nice comic, does it really fit very well in Invasion? Does it advance the story of Invasion very well? Eh, no, yeah, no. no. And so, there's a lot of, uh, you
2: know, suspension of disbelief, uh, I mean... Uh, A lot of these things are the same. Like, how do we know where we're going? Well, these things are all the same everywhere, no matter who's done it. Really? Really? Alien ships are the same? Really? It's like a shortcut. Yeah, it's yeah. an explanation, it but, lot. you know, you have to
1: say, all right, this is what happens. Paul in Casey says, uh, the first 11 minutes seem to be devoted to complaining about not keeping up on the show, then being spoiled about events that are going to happen. You can't have it both ways.
2: Yes. I, b- I believe I can't have it y- both yes, ways. Yes, yes, we can. <laughs>
1: that's that's a misconception. No, but- I can't have it both ways because I wanted to do this show. Uh, we wanted to cover it. Yeah. We wanted to cover it in a timely fashion, not mm. two years from now. But I wanted to give it a context that... I was going to be less than complimentary to it, and here is why. And then we just talked about spoilage. It wasn't spoilage about this. It was spoilering in general. In general. This is where we're coming from. Uh, David A. Gutierrez says, Guys, come on. It's like Doctor Who episodes with multiple doctors. Always works better in concept and rarely delivers in execution. Each show has to, one, service its normal audience. Two, woo a new one coming on to the crossover three further it's serial story four service its own characters and then do the same for new viewers. keep your expectations in check for these things plus it'll never rock your face at 40 like it would have at 12. Well it it, it kind of did you know I got, yeah. I got little you know I got goosebumps once in a while sure and, you... and uh, we'll see other people like oh, watching yeah. with their kids and had a different experience and that's great and again, when you're reviewing these things actively yeah. you're picking it apart. Obviously, it falls apart much quicker yeah. than just, you know, if you're just a normal viewer.
2: Yeah. And you know what? I, I watched it twice. I watched it once for my just enjoyment of the thing. And then the second part, yeah, you, know, you kind of pick at it.
1: And I freely admit that when I watched it, it was like with... Taking notes and yeah. being a bit out of context. and anyway. yeah. uh, We've covered this. Ryan Daly says, I'm a season and a half behind on these shows. Just like me. So I wasn't going to watch the Invasion crossover as it aired, but that wasn't the real reason I stayed away. It's the whole idea that these shows, even all four of them together, would attempt something of this magnitude. Invasion? That's CW and Greg Berlanti getting greedy and overreaching. Oh, Siskoid pointed out how pitifully few characters on these shows were actually in the comic book source material, which casts a harsh light on how comparatively low-tier the heroes on these shows are. Supergirl and Flash aside, this cast of characters aren't the heavy hitters you send against an alien fleet. A serious challenge for these guys should be Solomon Grundy, not a whole freaking alien invasion. Where's Superman? Where's Wonder Woman? Where's Green Lantern? Oh right, they're tied up in the movie-verse. If Berlanti couldn't have A-list heroes he should have managed the expectations of this crossover better. Well, I sort of agree. I mean, I like the low-tier characters. I think mm-hmm. TV can do things well, uh, and movies can do things well. And perhaps yeah. if, if everyone was Supergirl-level... Of power, it would be very hard to, to budget these things. Yes, and and I think it would be boring pretty quick. And like I said, like my favorite, I know I, I think I Supergirl is my favorite show of yeah. the lot. Well, it's a great show, and a lot of it is you know the, the lead, but I love the heart of that show. Yeah, but before Supergirl, the you know the other shows, the the actual Arrowverse shows, Arrow is my favorite, and Arrow is a very down to earth, martial gritty. artsy yeah. kind of. Kind of show, and there's a reason Batman's very popular. Yeah, more popular than Superman. And, I would and it's, it, because it doesn't matter about the power set. It's not the power yeah. set. There's something people the should show. love Superman more, but you know, that's but just it, me. It, it's not just you. Uh, but I was going to say, if they were trying to do a big crossover, they might have tried something more down to earth. Legends, for example, would have been more down to earth. Yeah. Uh Or, you know, but invasion is a bit big. But these expectations that we should manage and blah, 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 are really based on the fact that we know it's invasion. So if they never said it was invasion, as long as the Dominators show up and attack, if we don't know anything about invasion, then that, that plays differently yeah. than if you're a comic book nerd who knows all about invasion and would expect You know, crisis level action. That's not that was never going to be that. But since you're going to say it's invasion, then we're going to compare it because the show is about invasion. You know know what? If
2: if, uh, there's this thing about people who are in the know. I mean, people who knew what invasion is, there is absolutely no possible way to do it so that everybody will like it. It's, it's just impossible. You can't, you can't have the actual invasion because people are going to say, well, this is just the actual invasion. I could just read the comic book. And if you do an interpretation of the invasion, they're saying like, well, it's not like the comic book. So there's, there's really no way you can do it, so you have to take the source material, chew it up, and create something new. And that's, I think, that's we agreed on that they did try to do, and we kind of liked it. That's one of the things they kind of liked it. I didn't like the Dominators being naked. You know, that's one of the things I didn't like. But the fact that it's invasion is fine. It's fine. I mean, I think Green Arrow could be helpful in.
1: So in Ryan, Ryan's a little bit more negative than we are here, uh, and I I, I noticed yeah. that the person that sort of. Push me to the negative side? <laughs> yeah. The irredeemable Shag, also a member of our network, did <laughs> really? not respond in this. He's the, he's the throwing more gas on the fire. Uh, but, uh, but didn't Shag not like these? He hated these. Ah, oh, oh, well. So he, he's the one that kind of poked me <laughs> until I went negative on the show. And then he doesn't respond with any. He doesn't back me up. He doesn't have my back. Come on, Shag. Jesus. Well, we know it's
2: only a show, though. You're not really evil.
1: No. Um, Mark Baker Wright, another person who took exception to my comments, he says, Seriously, several of the big criticisms would have been ably addressed. If only you'd watched the episodes you're so aggressively against being spoiled about, it would have been much better to either have avoided talking about the CW version altogether, or at least have waited until you were both caught up until watching these series. Well, you know what? We went the other way. If we did it later,
2: people would have said, Well, why did you do it sooner? So, you know, mm-hmm. there's no winning in these things.
1: Uh, and there's just uh, doing. There's and just you know, doing. you were fresh off it. Yeah. And you wanted to talk about it. Yeah. And you know, I'm not the boss of this show. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> we don't have suits. We've established yeah. that we don't like suits. Yeah. I don't force you to read years no? and years of comics to get ready for. No, I love doing that. You know, Swamping yeah. the one. So it was like the, the reverse and the same. So, yeah. anyways, I would have wanted to get caught up in time. But you
2: don't have that time. Uh, I just you, didn't have that. You time. have to start. You know, if you want to watch every show that you missed, there's a couple steps you'll you'll have to start doing crystal meth and lots That's of coffee help.
1: pills. That's gonna help. I'm gonna have to tr- stop writing two articles a day. Yeah, uh, and you know, edit one podcast See, a week. Your problem <laughs> is not pro- <laughs>
2: productivity. Stuff? It's that you have to reload. Right? You have to you have to yeah. sleep, and the sleep part is is what's killing, killing you. Me. So I mean, just you know, start doing speed and not sleeping. You should do that. Let's
1: hear from Michael Bailey.
2: <laughs> Let's see what Mike A has fellow to
1: say. Superman fan. Uh, he says, I liked it quite a bit. It gave me a lot of the feels that I was hoping Batman v. Dumpster Fire would give and ultimately didn't. Siskoid's arguments were from an honest place and I don't argue taste, so I'm going to leave that be. Okay. The only argument I am going to shout objection on is that Supergirl was smug when Wild Dog tried to call her out on having abilities and what good does she ultimately do. This is a personal thing, but I'm sick of to freaking death of people looking at a super character, be it man or girl, and saying uh, something like, well, what good do, the, do you do ultimately? What good do you ultimately do? For me, it has become a cliche, something that writers drag out when they think they're breaking new ground. Whether it's Lex bawling out Superman during the Last Sun storyline back in 2007, or this particular crossover, I'm just done with it. So Kara's response, while maybe slightly out of character, was great for me personally. And I will agree with uh, Mike here that like I didn't like the way that was played, that moment. Yeah. But I think, yeah, the root of it is that Wild Dog saying, Ooh, you know, you get all these superpowers, what good does it do? Aren't you just like a costume superhero yourself, even though yeah. you don't have any powers? What the fuck is this? You, you know what?
2: I uh, After we, we did uh, record the show... I did watch that moment again because all of a sudden I, I I wasn't remembering it like I think I did, hmm. and uh, Barry and Kara were actually smug. They were actually I was looking at it and I was like, why are you being assholes? You shouldn't be assholes right now because a, a bit later, uh, Wild Dog goes, you know you know what? Finally, you, you guys do. We are fighting the same fight and. And, and there's well, it's this a kind manufactured
1: of... moments so then then there's like a, yeah. oh I've arced
2: yeah and um, and you know what i'm I'm a Superman fan and I, I do get where uh, Mike is coming from yeah.
1: because it's the same joke they did with uh, Heat Wave and Supergirl yeah oh I'm gonna call you skirt and whatever and then then he calls her supergirl yeah, oh, yeah. okay he's overcome his prejudice yeah. but why does this prejudice exist at all like Michael Bailey's perfectly right it's the moment should never have happened. Because why is Wild Dog moaning and bitching about, super, you know, super characters? And why is this his issue with them? His issue should be, it's too easy for you. Yeah. And because, I you know, we're doing it without powers. So you're, I don't know, maybe you're you're less careful or, I don't know. But the point shouldn't be, what good do you do? No, exactly. And, uh, well, yeah, that's it. Ange says, I think I enjoyed this way more than either of you for a couple of reasons. And then he names four. That is not a couple. That is a couple of couples. <laughs> uh, he says, First, I watched it with the eyes of a 12-year-old. 12-year-old Ange. Uh, I mean, there was live-action Justice League running across rooftops towards an alien army. And not just big-name Super Friends characters, but people like Vixen, Steel, Heatwave, Wild Dog. I was so floored by the fun part that I just glossed over the plot holes that you could fly the invisible jet through. Uh, second, he, say, he, he thinks uh, Melissa Benoist as Supergirl is utterly charming. Can do no wrong. Totally she, agree. She is. That scene where she and Flash beat up the cyborg villain, literally acting like a tag team in wrestling, might be my favorite scene of the whole thing. It was cool. great. That's cool. That was great. Um, third, I watched it with my kids, who were on the edge of their seats the whole time. I did watch it with my kid, too. Yeah? Yeah. And he liked it. Okay, good. Uh, and four, it says, I finally, and finally, I couldn't help but compare this to the dreadful Zack Snyder universe. <laughs> uh, I get the sense I would rather watch this version of a league than that one. You know what? I really liked, and this is
2: way stupid because I used to have the superpowers action figures.
1: You mean the like? Yeah,
2: with yeah, super action. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have and, several still. And this Star Lab annex that looked like the the Hall of Justice. I mean, I, I had a smile every time I saw it. I oh, yeah, just the loved the Hall it. of Justice. I just loved it. Every time.
1: Yeah, it was every like this. Is, did they introduce that in Invasion? Or no, I, it was it was there before? I, was it?
2: I don't really remember Wait. it before. Maybe oh. it was there. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't.
1: Okay, so when everybody shows up at the Hall of Justice, that was like the first time they ever used I that? don't know if it's the first time. I That's where I th- so saw I mean it. maybe you mean Flash? Time. You watch Flash regularly? I, I watch Flash regularly. i never seen it. Oh, wow. Well, we should have talked about it because that was cool. Well, it was cool. All right, they put it on the posters for invasion, as I thought. Okay, and then the way they just like, oh yeah, it's maybe. I guess maybe they were explaining so many things. I thought the explanation for it was just like a recap thing. But but Uh, maybe it was like new information. If if you know, let us know.
2: Let us know because I'm really I'm really not sure. But it felt like this was the first time. Really, I I, I it was just the
1: inside of a warehouse inside. But um, yeah. But the exterior is like, yeah, that's the that's Hall of Justice. Yeah, it really pew was. Pew pew. Uh, Daniel Budnick says, uh, lo- love the episode. And he underlined lines he liked. Uh, and then we got some Facebook likes and shares from Jason Pope, Sean Emmons, Clinton Robinson of Comic Comics Blog, Mike Hargreaves, Rob Kelly, Ryan Daly, Roger Prie, Robert Ward, Rover L. Welsh, David Foster, Chris Franklin, Shag Matthews, who calls it the podcast that inspired the CW crossover. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cosmic Cat Comics, Andrew Leyland, Tim Wallace, Dale Russell, Sam Lowe, Abel Padilla, who totally agrees with Bass on how DC's villains are much more fun than Marvel villains. Yeah, high five. Heroes battling villains is always more fun with DC. Hear that, Warner Brothers? Okay. Max Romero, Nicholas Prom, David S. Gutierrez, who says, Mr. Bass hates the people of Thanagar. Racist. <laughs> Which, by the way... We did put you to, we did have yeah, a challenge last time that we should find a good, one good Hawkman story to give Bass, no more than like three or four issues worth of something. Nobody gave any suggestions and I haven't really worked I on don't it.
2: think there are suggestions. All right. I think everybody agrees that Thanagarians are horrible, horrible people. Jury's, it does, it no, does the
1: Jury's still out. It does sound racist though. And then uh, Jared West, Martin Gray, Agents of Hammer, Jeremy Gunter, Mike Peacock, and Russell J. Taylor. And on Twitter, we got retweets and favorites from Kiji Baker, Coffee and Comics Blog, Sakura Fields, Between the Pages, Rolled Spine Podcast, David A. Gutierrez, Xenozoic, Xenophiles, Bat, Daniel R. Budnick, Carl Brusades, Longbox Crusade, Comic Reflections, Unexpected Flanger, Justice's First Dawn, Trekker Talk, Charlton Hero, Charlie Hood, Mark Wiggins, David Gallagher, Firestorm Fan, Comic Book Insurance, and Rolled Spine. Podcast, which I might have mentioned twice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were on there, right? Once, okay. <laughs> once. So thank you all for um, for retweeting or favoriting, possibly before you listen to the episode and then decided <laughs> that um, we sucked for not liking that the, the, the TV crossover that much. But next time, next time, <laughs> ne- we, we might
2: redeem ourselves because next time on. Well, actually, I do it with the uh, usual voice.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. let's let's slide to music. All right.
2: Next time on First Strike the Invasion podcast, Captain Adam number twenty four.
0: Yes, in your face, lady.